0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Fit CFO Show. I'm Amanda Hanquist and together with my husband, Sean, we wanted to create this podcast so that our audience could learn from some of the industry's best fitness professionals and to also give online entrepreneurs a place to learn financial success. We have years of experience in the fitness industry and specialize in finance. Together, we hope to bring you the best of both worlds. We'll be releasing a new episode every single Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications because you don't wanna miss a thing. I have a very special guest, Eve Guzman. Eve is a wife, mother of two, and founder of G Transformation Academy, which aims to help women ditch fat diets, lose weight, and eat real food without being restricted. She has been featured in People Magazine, Half Their Size. It is through her certification system, the macro mentorship program. Eve also certifies personal trainers, nutritionists, and health coaches on macro based nutrition. Let's welcome Eve to the show. I've done a little bit of research on you and wow, sister, you've got you've got a lot going on. A lot of stuff uh, for sure. Yeah, you have an incredible journey. Yeah, I just love it. I feel like we have a lot in common too. So mm-hmm. First off, what uh, I guess kind of took me by surprise is, is you talked in one of your posts about bringing your newborn daughter with you to college to finish your degree. I oh love that God. because yeah. I uh, did the same thing with my son and yeah. I don't know how old your daughter is now, but my son is 16 and I, it was just, I remember nursing him in the parking lot of the college. In my car, and people are like, What in the hell is this lady doing? I mean, it just was not friendly for any of that stuff. I was a fish out of water. But so I just love hearing that, um, you know, that yeah, she's other people out there now. have gone through that. Yeah. yeah. She's 19 now. And then even when you
1: said that just now, I mean, I wasn't breastfeeding anymore because I just, it just didn't go well with her doing that. Yeah. But when my husband would be coming to campus to go to his classes and I was leaving, I would sit in the back seat of the car, heat on, wintertime, lived in the Midwest, and I'd be feeding her in the car uh-huh. until we did the handoff, but with yeah. the
0: bottle. Yeah. So as
1: soon as you said that, it, like, came back.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, just all the things that we've had to go through as young parents wanting to finish, you know, finish it and get Get through it, get it done. I want to get into your story and your journey. Um you were featured in People's Magazine from going from 227 to 138. That sounds like an absolutely incredible journey. Um I don't have, you know, I was always a slim individual could kind of eat whatever I wanted to until I had children and then that hormone shift I had a huge fluctuation. I went from size four to size 14, literally overnight. And so I found myself in this body that I was just like, what the hell? I don't even know what to do. Tired, you know, just trying to get through the day type of situation. Um, tell me about your journey. What was, what was your journey like? And then what was this like, aha moment for you? Ah,
1: I think that's probably the most common question I get is like, when is the aha? Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: Everybody has like a different breaking point of like things that they remember happening, the way that they felt, something that someone said, a look of this, of that. And for me, the aha moment of like, I've got to get my life together. And I was like, hating myself was when I was like down to two pairs of jeans that would fit. And after I had her maybe it was like four months or something after five months, I went to try to get some more jeans and the biggest size didn't even fit. And that was a 24 and sizes do go bigger now. um, But that doesn't mean you need to strive to like fit in these bigger sizes, but um, like nothing fit, but elastic pull on pants. And I was, you know, 20, almost 21, 20. And I was like, I can't do this. I'm not going to do the pull-on pants. I tried on like 15, 20 pairs and nothing fit. That was like, okay, I got to change. Something has to change. Like this isn't cool anymore.
0: And so what did you, I guess, what did you start doing? Because, you know, 19 years ago, I mean, it was similar to to around my timeframe too. There wasn't a lot out there other than, you know, picking up some magazines at Walgreens and that kind of thing. But what did you start doing? How did you start... I mean, you have a degree in molecular biology. That's such a huge shift. What was the, what did you do? I'm like, are you just like perfectly setting me up for my story?
1: <laughs> no, like that's literally I turn around and on my shelf, I got this book from 2007. It's called The Calorie King. Um, it's calorie, um, it's mostly like calories and all the macros, but back then I was like, okay, I got a science. I'm getting a science degree. I'm smart. Like, why can't I figure it out? And I'm like, okay, calories in, calories out. I must obviously be overconsuming if my weight is so high. So I was reading magazines on, um, you know, the grocery store stands and stuff, but they were like gross foods, bland foods. I didn't want to do it. So I was like, I'm going to create my own diet. Yeah. So I calculated how many calories I should be counting. And I use this little book. And, you know, here I have it like almost 15 years later and I journaled by hand everything I oh, ate it. because, you know, no one else would be able to see this. So on this the is like,
0: this is like the, my fitness pal of 2007, basically yes, mm-hmm. right here. And I am
1: like, never getting rid of this 799, $7 and 99 cents. And then this brain, this is what changed my life. <laughs> so that's I what I did. It. I got yeah. my program.
0: It's like a keepsake right there. Yeah. I love That's it. what I did. I made it
1: my own program and I started tracking everything that I was eating. Uh-huh. And then that's when the awareness came in of, oh my God, this milkshake is this, this cheeseburger is this, these, um, the, the hot, um, the hot flavor Lay's potato chips, which were like a thing I bought every day out of a vending machine. I was yeah. like, wait a minute, that's 500 calories every day. That could be real food. And I was like, that's the problem. I'm overconsuming and I'm eating junk. That's what it was.
0: And inactivity, but right. it was the food. Yeah. So I work my own program. <laughs> I love it. And did you notice? Because I noticed with me, like once you start um, saying no to those cravings and you know, changing the way you eat, those cravings do start to kind of go away a little bit. But then also when you take that big red X of I can't have this off of that food, it it doesn't put that pressure on you and you don't want it as bad anymore too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like foods that people have a hard time saying no to are hyper palatable. Mm -hmm. And so you want them for a reason. People think I'm addicted. Something's wrong. I'm weak. It's not always that. I mean, a lot of it is education and some stuff just tastes so good. Of course, Well,
0: manufactured that
1: way. Yeah. People are going to pick a McDonald's French fry over a plain baked potato in front of them any day. And so once you start pulling back from eating that stuff and adjust your palate to like what's actually normal, not really, it's not diet food. That's what people call it, but like normal food, the stuff that existed in the, you know, 1940s, 1950s before, you know, laid potato chips and like chili cheese loaded fries and truffle cheesecake and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Once you get back to what we're supposed to eat, then you don't you stop wanting the other things. And yeah. then when you have the other things, a lot of the times the way that you feel energy, blood sugar spikes, sluggish, your stomach can't digest it the same way. And you're like, Oh my god, this Taco Bell, whatever, blah blah. But that stuff then starts to keep you from wanting it too. But it's making that switch, which is usually the hardest, you know,
0: step. And I think the biggest thing that I have learned myself and want to teach, um, is that it doesn't, it's not an overnight like light switch. So if you screw up Mm -hmm. one day, it's not like, it's not like you're doomed. It's not like you can't do it. It's, I mean, I know for me, I used to eat fast food all the time and now I couldn't even tell you the last time I did. And it's not because I can't, it's just, I don't think about it Mm -hmm. at all. You know? Yep. exactly.
1: Yeah. I think when people see other people, that have had a transformation or someone that just looks fit to them, they think that they have to switch everything overnight. All the changes happen overnight and it's not a lot of times they can't see, Oh, that was three years of work, seven years of work, four years of like being consistent lifting and giving up cardio. Um, I think we're so fixated on solving the problem right away that we think we have to change everything overnight and it takes a lot of time. Like to be yes. honest, it takes time.
0: It does. And I like that more people are now shedding light on their mess ups that oops, I screwed up today. I'm, it's not the end of the world. We've got tomorrow. We've got a lot more tries ahead of us. So tell me about your unique coaching model that you work with your clients on?
1: So we do uh macro-based coaching. This is something that I started doing in like late 2015. Um, I got my start in the nutrition coaching industry through an MLM, which was like
0: great high level, like direct sales, multi-level marketing. Yep. Mm -hmm. It
1: was Herbalife. So I'm not like under anything where I can't say the mysterious name. It was Herbalife. Um, It was a great experience. I make, I met great people. Um, I learned how to work with people with different personalities. I learned how to like um, navigate and pivot in coaching, but it wasn't the model for me because I always had a love for science and teaching people that nutrition shouldn't rely on a supplement or a shake, or whatever. I wanted people to learn how to make choices outside of a a shake. So I started transitioning from these Herbalife, you know, meal replacement shakes into macro-based coaching in 2015. And then I turned it into an academy in 2017 because we were growing quickly, and I started teaching more curriculum. And then we started adding coaches to the team in 2018. So everything we do is with macro-based coaching. All of their numbers are customized. We figure out how many calories, then down to the protein, the carbs, and the fats that they should be eating. Um, almost all of our clients, within you know the first six weeks or so, end up doing carb cycling. Um, doesn't mean low carbs, and we can talk about that too. Um, It doesn't mean the omission of carbs or low carb, but we do a lot of uh, carb cycling to give them the lifestyle of being able to eat more on certain days of the week, usually the weekend, because that's what people want. And we pair it with um, weekly check-ins. We also do it with daily messaging access to our coach. We have a community. We have courses that they can go through to learn how to do their own macros. Um, But it has a heavy, heavy emphasis on science-based nutrition, and then customizing their program based off of their metabolism, their body, their lifestyle, all of that stuff.
0: Um, so it's a nerdy approach. (laughs) I love it. I'm all about the food nerdy stuff. (laughs) That's fantastic. I love it. So, so you, it sounds like you do an amazing job of a meeting people where they're at, but b like implementing science behind food. I'm a big, type of person where cuz when i first worked with a coach i struggled to understand the why and it's because that that coach was inexperienced and they and i was i'm a question person i want to know why i want to know why you're telling me to eat this what is it going to do for my body what is the difference between brown rice and white rice you know whatever and when they can't answer why you know it it just leads me to believe maybe they don't know enough of the information themselves to be able to be teaching it to me so i love that you have that science background Um, And then I, I love how you said uh, when you were with your MLM that you, I I read somewhere where you were like, you didn't want, um, I don't know if you want to necessarily call it the credit, but you wanted people to understand that it's not the supplement. A supplement can help you, but it's not the reason that you were getting the results that you were getting.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of people, if they don't have the education, and they just want to lose weight, they hop into a program. Um, it's really, really common that the general population thinks that there is a weight loss stimulant in a shake an appetite suppressant in a shake. And people still years later go, I would love to get on that shake so it can help suppress my appetite. And I'm like. News flash there's like no drugs or stimulants in the shake, it was the calorie reduction of you replacing the cheeseburger and French fries right. with the shake, and that's why you were losing weight. So, I mean, it yeah. used to kill me when people thought if I stop the shakes, I'll gain weight. No, if we identify how you need to eat shake or no shake, then you'll be fine. And so I just felt like it was my duty understanding um, the metabolism and the science of nutrition to just teach people the real deal stuff. And I think a lot of coaches, they do hold back on saying the why versus do this, do this, do this. And they think if I tell them the more of the why they're going to leave me one day. Mm -hmm. And I've found, and you probably have seen this too. It's the opposite. Yep. we have clients we cannot get rid of if we paid them and some of them they stay for anywhere from a year and a half to 3 years they know how to do their own macros they know how to do their own adjustments they know the why they could literally teach you know all the other hundreds of clients in our program because they know so much, but it's the community, the support, and they trust the coach because the coach always explains why, 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 why. Yeah. Um, and that really helps people to become better clients for you as a coach, because they're
0: coachable because they know what, why they're doing what they're doing. Absolutely. And I, I think you're right. I think that makes the individual more coachable because mm-hmm. if they know the why behind it, then okay, I'm going to do it. If you're not, if you can't tell me why, why, why should I even waste my time? Um, at what point did you say or decide that you want to start working with people or start helping people and, and sharing what you have learned and went through with the world? Because people
1: kept asking me, how did you lose the weight? And I know some people are very, they're very short. Sometimes they can be, people can be really curt and rude on Instagram and social media and they'll go, I did Herbalife and like, that's it. Uh-huh. Or I joined Orange Theory or I hired a personal trainer I just felt this internal pull of like, man, I lost all this weight. And I kind of felt like, man, I made it after like a lifetime of obesity. I just felt like I had to help people. And so I just like kept chatting away and chatting away. And people were like, help me, help me, help me. And it went from sharing to, okay, I guess I'm going to coach.
0: Let's figure this out. And that's how it happened. And so how has your life been as, cause I love talking to a fellow busy working mama. Cause I am as well. How has your life been juggling all of this and the mom life and the wife life and everything you have going on? Oh my God. So let me just say like, as soon as you
1: asked that, I started getting all bubbly. My life is so fucking amazing. It is. <laughs> There's a lot of, um, you know, ups and downs and busyness and craziness and trying to be in a whole bunch of roles, but it's completely worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually helped me to be a present parent, still busy. Um, You know, I've got one in college and one that just started high school. And one of my things that my husband gives me like so much um, whatever about is when I was like, okay, I want to work from home, figure this out, make enough money to just help out. I want to make my kids breakfast every morning and see them off to school. Um, Here I am. I started working from home in 2015. Six years later, my, you know, you know, almost grown son kind of like, you know, yours, I'm still making him breakfast and I love it. And, you know, I get a lot of slack and, you know, my husband laughs about it all the time, but that's like the best thing. Uh, But we have a team that helps. There's no way that I would be as successful without them. So every time we've grown and leveled up, we've had to add another person. Um, But my husband actually retired to join me full time a year ago. So like I'm living the dream. Every day is not perfect, but every day we figure it out. We get through it. We always hit the next level. Um, We do it with smiles on our face because it could be so much worse um, than what it is. But like we outsource, we do little things like um, we have someone come and help clean the house once or twice a month. Um, Like we still stick to date nights and traveling. Going to our kids' events, our daughter's in another state. Now we, you know, have her come down. Um, But, like, I have a virtual assistant. We have tech people that help us on our team. Um, It's just, like, really growing, learning, make a mistake. Pick it up a notch, lowering, growing, you know, growing. Make a mistake, pick it up a notch again.
0: Yeah, and so what I hear you saying too is that you can't do it alone. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you have this amazing team, and now your husband has joined you, which which is wonderful. My husband and I work together as well, and um, you know it we, we have our unique roles, but it's amazing. I wouldn't change it for the world. And I'm like you, I don't necessarily cook breakfast for my family, but evening meals are important to us. And I always Mm -hmm. cook evening meals when we don't have ball games and whatnot going on. But Mm -hmm. I just love that. I love hearing from another, uh, you know, mother working, busy working mother's perspective that, it just takes a team. It takes, you know, learning and growing each day. Each day is not perfect, but you make the best of it. You learn and you do better the next time. Absolutely. So I love how, just going back to macros, I love how you talk about cycling in the different phases in regards to dieting. And then you you also talk about not always tracking. Um, and I love that too, because I am, uh, you know, I've competed before as have you, um, where you're just every single, you know, microgram that touches your tongue, you're tracking it. And then that can be overwhelming. Um, So tell me about how you walk through with your clients on the cycling of tracking and then, you know, the intuitive eating side as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. So there's like a two part piece to it. So one, a lot of people,
1: when they initially come to do macros with most co- most coaches, usually the goal is like a deficit, fat loss, weight loss, and so that's where most clients start. Um, then there comes the education of like once they're in this groove and they're having the body recomp and they're losing weight, it then comes to okay, they're loving this, but let's be clear that you can't be in this deficit forever. Right. So we do teach the phases of how long you can be in a deficit when do we need to take a diet break? When do we need to reverse up to maintenance? And then um, creating like the normalcy of maintenances should happen every single year, um, probably multiple times a year, depending on what your goals are, but educating what phase you can be in safely, how long, and then when to move to the next one. Um, So we do that you know first and foremost with the education so they know that okay it's not a deficit forever we're not going to be tracking macros to be in a deficit forever and then we also talk about the importance of breaking away from tracking so that it doesn't so that it does not become like the center of your life right. so you know number one can't be in a deficit forever Number two, you should not be tracking forever. Um, And it's funny because in the beginning, and you've probably seen this at first, it's like, I got to track everything. Like, oh my God, I I I can't eat
0: dinner yet. I got to see if it fits in there. Let me see
1: if it fits, like track before you bite type of thing. And then once they get the results and they get the aware eating and the flexible dieting, they're like, this is amazing. Then they don't want to break up. Yeah. With weighing and tracking, and so when most clients ask me how long should I track before I take a break, it does depend on the person, right. um, and I would say three to six months. And after that, you really should start to have at least a day per week where you don't track. And then, if you have a goal of being at maintenance, that's like the most perfect time to transition into intuitive eating and then not tracking. Right. Um, right. So for some people that have like a small goal. They may be able to just track three months and then go to intuitive eating. Maybe they just needed like five to 15 pounds to lose, Um, but it may be six months if someone has a bigger goal, but the best time to do intuitive eating is going to be reverse dieting or maintenance. Mm -hmm. And we usually start with like one meal per week, but that they don't track usually on the weekend. We usually pick a higher calorie day. So it's not like, okay, progress is going to be lost, but it'll be a day that they're probably at maintenance anyway. So there's like, you know, no risk if there's things estimated or underestimated, you know, yeah, but we'll do one meal per week. And then we'll start off with a whole day per week, again, high calorie days, but try to instruct people to eat the way that they typically eat, you know, the portions, you know, what you usually eat, just kind of do the same thing. Like if you're not eating, you know, a double cheeseburger with bacon, when you're tracking on your, fr- on your, untracked day don't don't go do that like stick to the right pattern
0: like an emphasis yeah. that this isn't a free-for-all like binge yeah. meal this is it's an not a, untracked. an
1: untracked day is not a cheat day right um, yeah. there's a difference between like a refeed day a high carb day uh it's your anniversary don't track anything live your life go eat chocolates enjoy your roses that's a whole different game plan Mm -hmm. But if your pathway is to get to um, a balanced way of intuitive eating, it's really slowly adding in one meal, one day per week, two days per week, three days per week of eating what you normally eat to start to take away the crutch of weighing everything. And I tell clients, you don't know how well you'll do until you do it. And if you keep the crutch of weighing everything, you won't know how to intuitive eat because you don't have any experience. It's just like the opposite is with clients that are afraid to eat chocolate. If you don't expose yourself to a little bit, then you can't really see if you can handle the temptation of a treat or chocolate or whatever. And it's the same thing with tracking. If you never try it, and there's no exposure. You can't see how strong you are and how much of a skill that you developed because you are just you're just too afraid to do it. Yeah. Um, but it's a really it's a, a really really slow step away from the tracking. Um, for me, I think the longest time that I did it after really starting macros in like 2014. Um, I think I went like a year, maybe a year and a half. I reverse dieted up after doing all the competing all the restricting, all the no to everything. And then I reversed dieted to maintenance and I started to stop tracking um, for like a whole year. Yeah.
0: And I only track when there's a goal. Okay. I love that. And I also love how you emphasize- um, you know, cuz there's a lot of like macros I feel like sometimes get a bad rap because mm-hmm. people are like I'm going to just have protein shakes and donuts and it's going to be great. And mm-hmm. and that's not, you know, macros in my opinion allows you to have flexibility. However, emphasize the foods that are going to fuel you to feel your best and perform your best and not leave you feeling like crap after right donuts and things.
1: Yeah. Macro tracking is not your
0: permission to eat like a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you have, again, your degree in molecular biology, what was your original intention with that degree? I was supposed to be a doctor. Okay. (laughs)
1: Look, and I don't say that with any type of resentment because trust me, um, I'm doing great and I'm happy and I'm so, well, I think you
0: would have clearly been successful either way, but I, I just find I always love, cause I have my degree in interior design, mm-hmm. um, you know, and now I'm, you know, this, this businessy person, but, yeah. um, but I love that. So did entrepreneurship, uh, did you just sort of evolve into it or did it find you? Or I guess, tell me about that a little bit
1: from so, that degree to
0: now. I think up until a few years
1: ago, I thought that it found me, but I think I've always been an entrepreneur and just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And I think it was tied to being overweight that I I really kind of smothered the um, ideas and feelings of wanting to be an entrepreneur because I wasn't confident because I was almost 300 pounds at one point. And so I started like thinking about it, like, how did I become an entrepreneur? I used to make jewelry as a kid. Um, and sell them to my um, mom's um, co-workers. I made these like little dolls, these little Indian dolls. It was all at the age of like eight and 10 and 12. Yeah. And then I was making candles. I tried Avon. I mean, I've tried a lot of things. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. Like I was always trying to do a side hustle for extra money, but I thought, uh, I'm the type of person that's smart you know, I'm pretty good at a lot of things, but I'll kind of just blend into the background and this will just be like an extra hundred bucks a week. And so even when I became an Herbalife um, health coach, I signed up because I love the shakes. They were great. I love the supplements. I told my sponsor, I was like, I'm not coaching. Don't ask me no more. Stop. Don't do it. Like I'm never coaching people. Never. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Never and then I went ever, on a huh? coach. Then five weeks later, I became a coach. <laughs> and then I went into management um, in laboratory research. I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for a long time. I lost the weight, and then I got the confidence to become um, a manager. I would have never applied to be in management and led a team. and i led I led several departments um, doing like fDA based research for companies like, and law and Pfizer and Genentech. I mean, you name all the big pharma, that's who we worked for. Mm -hmm. And it was the weight that was really suppressing like the leadership and the entrepreneur skill. And I can't even imagine working for anybody else again. Like I never, ever want to work for anybody else again. Cause I mean, it's just so great to have the time freedom and you fill your cup in a different way, being able to help people.
0: Well, and what went through my mind listening to you say that is think of how many people you have helped create their own confidence to go out and do things they never thought was possible. I mean, mm-hmm. you have touched so many lives by going through the journey that you've gone through. I mean, what a way to pay it forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like that was like the big push behind us creating our macro nutrition coaching certification. Mm -hmm. Um, We have back through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, because now we're giving other coaches the blueprint for the time freedom, whether they're moms or not, or single or male or female. Um,
0: But now they They have their own niche, but you're giving them a way to... Mm -hmm help more people. Basically fast forward, the stuff that you had to stumble through and learn the hard way you've created this blueprint so that they can learn it and and go out.
1: Yeah. So now we can help thousands of people indirectly, but still, Mm -hmm. you know, we're still part of the pie.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. And then at what point did you decide when you were coaching on your own, did you decide, Oh my gosh, I need more coaches under me to help me with this. Oh my God. When I had like. 40
1: clients and no life, (laughs) Yeah, no life outside of COVID. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I know some people
1: will probably listen to this and go, that's me. And then they try to do it all themselves, no assistance, you know, not even someone that helps them two hours a week. And they're always doing check-ins from, from, you know, eight in the morning to 9 PM every night, four days a week. That was me. And I was like, there's gotta be another way because I had more people I wanted to help, but you can't do it as like a one person show.
0: Yep. And so you talk a lot about taking risks and Mm -hmm. um, investing in yourself, which I love and I appreciate. I'm all about that as well. And so what was that like taking that leap and essentially giving literally part of your income to somebody to help you?
1: It was scary at first. Like when I had to, when I had to face the decision of hiring, it was like a, it was probably like a nine month, um, probably a nine month. I need to do this kind of like phase, and my business coach was like, "You need to, you need to, you need to," or you've got to up your prices. But really, I needed to do both. And I was like, but who do I trust? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, who do I trust? Right. And the first person that I could think of that was as, as passionate as me, as educated as me was someone else that did that business coaching program. And I was like, she's gonna say no, she's gonna say no. Like I'll ask her, but why would she wanna work with me? And she said, yes, like immediately. And she was like floored and she's still
0: with me three years later. I love that. And so how did you build her up with your program so that the people following you felt um that no like and trust with her.
1: I talked about her all the time. (laughs) It was me and Kate and here's Kate and sharing her Mm -hmm. posts and we do this. I mean, it went from I to we, 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 like all the time, Um, sharing her philosophy, tagging her on stories so that people could go follow her, Um, putting her on the application, her on the website, talking about her expertise and her transformation, her education, um, also, you know, her being a nurse was also a big, big sell, but yes, people can tell how much I trusted her. And I literally felt and still do that. I would give any client to her or any of the coaches on my team. Like I know they're in good hands. Even when I screen applications, if I think that that person isn't a good fit for me, they're not a good fit for the coach. Like nobody know. on my team, it's not going to, nope. If it, if it's not good enough for me, it's not good enough for them. Yep. And so our audience knows that. And I only co-sign what I believe in people, products. I mean, it could be down to a protein shake. Um, if I don't love it, it's not going to come out of my mouth. And so people are like, okay, I'm signing up to work with you
0: guys um, versus just them. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk business. Um, so we talked about how you developed the macro mentorship program. You certify personal trainers, nutritionists, health coaches. So what led you to, I guess, creating this mentorship program? Did you have coach other coaches asking you or what, what led to that?
1: Yep. That was it. Everybody was like, so we hear you're like the macro queen and the expert. Can you teach me some stuff? And at first I was like, I don't know. Like, do I want to share what I'm doing? Yeah. And I'm like, I guess I could. I mean, it was a weird feeling because I wasn't, you know, I had done some business like mentoring and Herbalife, like building a team, mm-hmm. but it was like, like teach another coach, like all my secrets. I'm like, right. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I kind of like her. So, okay, let me make this contract. We'll start off with one Zoom session. I'll see how it goes. And then, of course, people found out. And then it kind of spread and spread and spread. And I think after I had coached, I don't know, maybe like a dozen coaches privately on Zoom, I was like, why don't I just do this as a bulk thing? And I was like, well, what do I have to lose? No one else is teaching this. Um, And it's because people are hoarding the information, the proprietary information And I was like, what if I create this thing that blows up because no one else is doing it? And it's kind of the same reason why I created this one program where like everyday people can learn how to do their own macros too. And so I started drawing it out in 2018. I was like, man, this could become like a national cert. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, this could be like it, the it product. I can retire like, and I built it and it became just that. I Um, love that. It's like weird. But let me tell you, I was scared as hell because I was like, I'm not, I don't look like anybody in this space. It's mostly um, men. No one looks like me. This background is different. I'm like 25 years old and don't have kids. And mm -hmm. yeah, completely different everything. And I'm like, little old me, like who's going to buy this? And then um, the first round was like a little bit slow. And then every round after that sold out. Um, the wait list is usually like three to six months at a time to get in. Um, and I just did the thing that people were afraid to do, yeah. but it was
0: the thing that everybody needed. So you found what I hear you saying is that when you decided, you know what, I'm not going to keep this all to myself. I'm going to share it with the world. That is when it really started to take off.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: I think we can all learn a lot from that because I think it's second nature for us to just want to be like, no, I can't tell them. They're going to take my secrets and run with it. But I mean, really, the thing I was thinking
1: it. is if, if I don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. So do I want this to be this huge, massive, impactful thing that I'm passionate about? Or in six months, is someone else going to create this? And I'll go, I should have just did it. And, and now I
0: how many people you're impacting. I hundreds, mean, it's just, yeah, hundreds and hundreds of coaches. I mean, it's crazy, crazy. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I really want this to also be a place where entrepreneurs can learn from one another. So tell me what has helped you. Um, you know, we talked about how taking risks, even when you're afraid to do it, afraid, um, but what has really helped you become the successful entrepreneur? Is it knowing your numbers, Profit loss, creating money guardrails. Like, how have you been able to l- allow this to snowball from a business perspective?
1: I would say it's probably two things, and then everything else trickles down. Um, invest when I get stuck, or invest when I know that I've kind of exhausted all of my own experience and I need help in some way, whether it's a course or coaching, um, invest so that I can get to the next level and just don't try to figure it out for months and months on end. Mm -hmm. And then number two, this is probably not... I won't say it's the best financial advice um, because we're like really streamlining things now, but because I didn't have like the best bookkeeper and the best financial advisor, I just knew to create, keep creating products and sell, 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 and keep my spending down so we could figure out everything else. Um, So I focused on showing up, creating amazing products and getting those out to people And we kept our spending really, really low. And that's um, allowed us to financially be able to do so well. But that was a lot in the beginning. But we have more structure now. Um, So like my advice, if someone's like, but what should we cap our spending at? Um, If you've got a team, if you're keeping it, your expenses to your team, like under 30%, um, that's amazing. 15% is like really, really, really great. Um, But when I didn't have time to think about all of the money. I just focused on serving and delivering and getting people into the door and then investing so that I could keep getting to the next level.
0: And I love how you talk about keeping your expenses low, because I think the biggest thing that people forget is that yes, number one, we're in this to help people. Right. But number two, to make a profit, right. We don't want to just, everything's a business write-off. Everything's a business expense. When you have profits, you're able to You know, reap the rewards of the benefits of what you're doing. Well, I thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. This is going to be great. I know our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. So I thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much. If you like this episode, please be sure to tune in every single Tuesday morning. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on your notifications so you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram story, Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help others out there become the best versions of themselves. We so appreciate you listening in and until next time, keep your goals high and keep each step attainable.